The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. The Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb, and the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. It was crazy because I just, um, I just got a hospital. I just had some scans and went for the doctors. And, you know, that was probably the only moment where I was like, a friend of mine had to retire from rugby because of a neck injury and, and his vertebra had been displaced. And, um, you know, that, that, uh, that was starting to go through my mind is, is how severe this injury is. Yep. And, uh, I picked up my phone and I was like, I was the, the last 10 guys to come down. So I started watching and, uh, my fiance and, and Gaspari from Crank Brothers had were down in the hospital with me, but you know, they're waiting on the benches. And I'm in this bed trying to hold my phone and <laughs> and then I like I go get all excited and they come over like, what's going on? I was like, oh, I finished the overall, I'm protected for next season. <laughs> and they're like Well, you're not gonna even think about maybe retiring or what's I was like, there's no way I'm tenth, I'm protected, it doesn't matter, things are good. And it gave me a bit of a uh, bit of hope and excitement in the hospital. Being second is like, it can be hard, you know, especially I think behind your teammates. But I think he's younger and he really like appreciating every moment, every good moment. So for sure in my case, if I finish second behind him, I'm like, fuck it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm older, you know, we have, I'm five years old more than him. So yeah, he has plenty of time to play with. For me, it's not the same, so... Fort William's a bit different to everything else on the World Cup circuit. Are you, are you a fan of that track? Uh, no. <laughs> no, actually, I'm not a fan of it whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I think that place is like... I felt like when I came home, I was like, man, I feel like I was out there at a race for six months after being there for three days. I was like, this place is <laughs> just like going to war. The computer tells you everything, but at the end of the day, you just take the fucking brakes off and go fast. <laughs> <laughs> right. <It's pretty> simple. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 10 of The Pod. So for the next couple of episodes, I thought we'd do something a little bit different and throw it open to Jack and Emily to choose our guests. The only stipulation being that they have to choose people who we've never had on the pod before. And I can assure you, they've not let us down. First up is Emily, and it will be no surprise to many of you, but she picked a rider who waited until he was 31 to have his breakout season. And I'm really excited about welcoming Bernard Kerr onto the podcast. But first, I need to do a little bit of housekeeping and give a shout out to a few people. The first is at Primoz on the Vital Forum, who tracked down where I got the Windmasters to replace Rob Warner rumour from. It was first mooted by user K Stack in the comments section on the Win TV snowshoe track walk video. And it's a relief to hear that I didn't dream it. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> I did actually think at one point, have I made this up? Uh, no response from Win on that one. But I did see he was filming with GMBN last week. So maybe it has got legs. Jack, Emmy, have either of you heard anything on that one? I didn't. No. But- but I think he was in uh, Barcelona with first Valencia and in Barcelona with Bernard. So maybe we could throw a little question in there for Bernie. We'll see what he says. Yeah, I think he's silenced. I tagged him in loads of stuff on Instagram and his silence perhaps speaks volumes, do you reckon? So is, he, is it just that someone made a comment on a video saying he would be good at replacing Rob Warner? Or is it actually someone who knows something who said he might replace Rob Warner? I'm not sure if K-Stack knows anything. It wasn't like, it would be good to see you, I don't think. I think it was like, have you signed with Discovery yet or something like that? I can't quite remember. Right, okay. I also need to mention Fake Tape Machine, who was the winner of the Making Up the Numbers Fantasy League Mini League on Pink, Pink Bite with a whopping 5,230 points. So congratulations to you. And the final person I need to give a shout out to is Martin Whiteley. Keen listeners will remember that I asked Greg Minart if he had ever had a season without a World Cup podium. And Greg couldn't remember, and I didn't know the answer either, but I knew Martin would, and he dropped me a note to say... Since Greg got his first World Cup podium in 2000, he's only had one season where he failed to podium. That was 2018 when he broke his arm training just before Fort William and missed a bunch of rounds. So thank you for that, Martin. If you haven't checked Martin's recent doubleheader on downtime, it's a great listen, as is the Geordie Cortez one on Vital. Shout out to Geordie. Which segs nicely into our first team rumour. So there's a a promo going around for a, a Ghost Factory Racing team video called Breaking the Tape. Either of you see that? No. I've no? seen the trailer and I've seen Martin in it. That's what I was going to say. Like, yeah. mm, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it looks like it focuses on XC quite a lot, but Martin's in it quite a lot. And I think the first episode drops this week. We, we, we know Martin will be back on the World Cup circuit next year. No downhill bike on the market at the moment, but do you think Ghost could be his destination? I don't know. Well, they have a Euro bike and they have a Slavic, am I right? So, I mean, why not? Um, but I know he's the representative for the team manager for cross country as well. So maybe he's going to just focus on cross country. I don't know. Yeah, I think he was. He said somewhere he was talking to a couple of brands, and he was coming back to downhill. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard too. So it could yeah. be. Yeah. yeah. You heard anything, Jack? Any ideas where Martin might end up? No, absolutely not. Um, I'd seen that he'd been signing bits and bobs, and I'm sure he's listening now. So yeah, <laughs> Martin dropped George another email. Let us know what's going on, or, or maybe even just give us a little clue, tease us a little bit. Next episode. So the only other rumor I'm aware of was that Cuba hiring a third mechanic. So Max has just re-signed with them on a multi-year contract. It looks like Danny's going to be there for a third season at least, as he's been out testing with them recently. Any ideas about a, a third rider? Who, who'd be a good fit at Cube with Danny and Max? Are any young German or Austrian riders coming through? I'm trying to think. That's an Emmy question. Well, maybe it's anyone really, because there's a lot of people looking for teams. I mean, we don't know where Angel Serrara is going to go. We don't know where Greg Liasson is going to go. Maybe he's going to be a better rider than we think. Um, and Norco needed to, Norco had some yeah. riders that need a new home. So there's yeah. a lot of people out and about. So I'm not sure. I was going to ask about Blenke, actually, because, you know, it looked like he was heading towards retirement. And then he grabbed eighth at Mont Saint Anne, just won Crankworks Rotorua. Mm. Don't look like he's winding down, does it? No. And he's always doing well, like in the also like the smaller races, like Frank works, like always winning national champs, or so like real close to it. Yeah. So all these little races probably give him like that extra push that he needs to um, hang on and maybe try to like get a podium again. I think he would get if he get a top five again. I think he's gonna he's gonna retire. You know when brands are looking for riders, how much like importance do they place on like? the style and the the name like someone like Blenke would they choose someone like Blenke do you think over someone who's younger and regularly in the top 30 I don't know it depends a, a bit what kind of ride you already have in, in your roster like if you have someone like Danny Hart obviously you're going to go maybe for someone younger yeah because Danny has a style and he has consistency and everything. But if you have like only young people on your team, maybe you go for someone like Becky that has experience in, in style. But obviously, Blinky has it all. I mean, it's just like whatever you're searching for. But I think he, I'm not really sure he will have a trouble finding sponsors. But no. I could be wrong. I don't know what you think, uh, Jack. But Yeah, I think pretty much the same. It will certainly need to be somebody that Danny gets on with. I know that Sam does spend time with Danny when he's over in the UK, especially with them having kids a similar age. So it would be a good fit. Um, obviously, as you just said, very marketable rider. Everyone loves him. So yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll he won't struggle to find a new home. So there's not a lot else out there, team rumour-wise. Have you guys heard anything? I've got something for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on then. <laughs> um, I've heard that. Remy Mayer-Smith and Luke Mayer-Smith are going to Giant both. Oh, we said that last time. Keep up. No. Yeah, we yeah, did. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said you that You said one that. Yeah, George I've said that one. 
but I can tell you for sure. All right. <laughs> confirmation. It's a confirmation. But probably you said, how can you remember you saying that? Yeah, that's been... A, Where did been, you hear that from? Oh, you got me all excited then. Yeah, he's been kicking around for a while as that one, I think. Okay. That'll be a good team with Remy Therion and those I've two. got another one, but I can't tell you, though. This is secret. Tell me, yeah, and then I'll I tell can't. George and everyone else, because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's see if I can get out of you because I've got a gut feeling it might be it might be one. So I was thinking about the rumours we've discussed over the last two episodes and mm-hmm. I was having to think about the spaces that will become available if those rumours happen. So probably the best place to start would be Madison Saracen. If Jordan, Harry and Vero do all leave, as is rumoured, who do you think might come in to fill those spots? Well, Cam just told me she heard that Madison might quit, might not have a team at all. That's what she just told me. She's like someone. Some she heard that somewhere. So that's the only the second thing I heard. No, so I don't know. <laughs> then it, if that's true, then who, where is Matt Walker going? But maybe it's not Holy, true. Holy, that's that would be huge. And if it's not true, then it's Cam's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's very unlikely. Um, possible, but unlikely. And I know that from talking with Saracen myself through my team. They told me that they were quite happy with their own factory team and were, weren't yeah. looking to add to it. Um, I know that <clears throat> Matt's very happy there. Matt's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. going on a stag do with him fairly soon. So I'd be amazed if it is true. Um, but I anything can happen. It's Cam's can mechanic happen. Who, told, who told her, I think. Is yeah, that the lad who's always drunk? <laughs> no. I'm joking. That's not the one. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so let's say let's say Madison Saracen is still in the game. They, they, Will likes a particular type of rider, doesn't he? He likes races rather than um, people who are big on socials. Who, what kind of rider would would Matt Walker want on the team? Because that's that's probably the right the thing they're looking for. Isn't it? Somebody to support Matt. Yeah. British. You'd say British. Would you say Jack? Um, yeah, for sure. With it being Madison Saracen, they've always, have they had, they've had one foreign rider on there. I can't remember. Alex, name. Alex Marion rode for him for a bit. Didn't oh, I? Alex was there. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking of, um, I can't remember his name. Japanese. It was a Japanese. I'm sure he was at Saracen a while yeah. but Oh, I can't remember his name. He wasn't Yuki. was the other. That's him. Yuki was there. Yeah. yeah. He was there. Yeah. For apparently for a buy-in, but apparently he was there what a few years back. He was there a few years back. Um, but yeah, I mean, Matt's top five rider, isn't he? So they're not going to get another top 10 rider. So yeah, I honestly think it's probably more likely that they look to replenish their junior and youth yeah. stock. Um, I, don't, I can't remember if we mentioned it, but I'm I'm pretty sure that George Madley, the youth rider, is going to Madison from everything I've heard. I heard that as well, yeah. So he's he'll be there as a second-year youth. And then the question will be, do they replace Jordan? But Owen Rick is the probably the fastest second-year junior of 2023 in the UK. And as far as I'm aware, he's coming to me. So yeah. um, if they are replacing the junior, then they're going to have to probably look elsewhere in terms of which country they're signing from. Um, so it'd be interesting. Somebody like Luke Williamson? Yeah. Yeah, there's no reason why not. He's young, he's fast. Yeah. Um, I, I can see that team just just staying Matt for a year. Yeah. I think it sounds like it's been a rather unhappy camp for 12 months with lots of uh, politics, should we call it? 
um, mm-hmm. without diving into any more details. And I think they're probably just thinking, let's just yeah. get shit steady again. That that would be my approach as the team manager. If I was, yeah. if Will was allowed to decide himself, <clears throat> my approach would be get the ship steady again and then look to expand. Yeah. So if Scott take Kolb to replace Florent Payet, who goes to Atherton to replace him? Rumours of Ronan Dunn. This is the, that, that was the one I thought your face is saying. You mentioned that last time, didn't you? You no, mentioned that I, I, I haven't talked to um to anyone about that, but it could be. But yeah, I haven't they're probably talking, but I've I've asked Bernard for rumors and he didn't tell me anything. <laughs> except the one that you already know. That was that was the one I thought I might prize out of you if it was if it was a definite No, it's uh, another one. A definite happening. Well, We'll leave the rumours there. A few people saying nice things about the, the hypothetical question in the last episode. So so let's do an, another one of those. So let's imagine you guys are, are, are building a downhill team each and you're picking two male riders and one female rider. Forget marketability. It's just purely race success in 2023, a one-year deal. I'm going to give you three batches of riders to choose from. So let's start with your lead rider. And these these guys all finished between 8th and 13th in the overall in 2022. So your choice is from Aaron Gwynn, Danny Hart, Greg Minar, Thibaut Deprella, and Matt Walker. Who you choosing? Who would you put your money on for 2023 from those? Ladies first, unless you want time to think, because I know my answer. No, no, but like you said, who is your money on or who is going to going to pick in the team? Because it's, that for me, they're two different things. You know what I mean? Like you, you want to take a rider that you like. I want to pick a rider that I like as well. All right. Okay. Yeah. You know, like ride, it's your like, team. You know what I mean? Like it's someone that you think is going to be fast, but you also want someone that fits. Know. For me, and what? So my question there is, who on that list don't you like? Really, <laughs> <laughs> <you> someone. <laughs> Sorry. No one. No oh, one. How many of them on the list? <laughs> All oh. of them except Mark Walker. No, I'm just kidding. No, but it's just like not like in a sense of like who do you want to work with? Yeah, yeah. yeah I know exactly what you mean. Exactly. So I want to work with Matt Walker because I think he's young and he's just like has proven himself and I think he's a good lead rider. Yeah. yeah. And, and it'd be exciting to see him under a different tent. Yep. That's something I've always said. Like, obviously, I've known Matt since he was, I went on a riding holiday with him and his dad when he was like 13. Um, and I've always thought it would be exciting to see him in a different camp. Um, obviously, he does extremely well in the camp he's in, but yeah. it would just be quite cool to see him on a Specialized or on a Santa Cruz or a Pivot or something. And I think it, a faster bike, you mean? Huh? <laughs> a faster <laughs> bike, you mean? No, I genuinely don't even mean that. <laughs> I actually just spent a different program, but yeah, yeah. Right. maybe if he was on one of the one of the big bikes, then. But can so my you argue that because, like, you look that? at that. I know you look at that bike though, and look what he's doing. It's, it's the a rider, man. It you is. He went on a wooden stick, and he'd be the fastest man down there. <laughs> yep. Like this market. That's how these companies market their stuff. Like that's why they spend all the money on the big riders to make their bikes look great. Like mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. So tough one for me because, like I said, Matt's a good friend of mine. Um, Gwynny and Minar are obviously like legends. Danny's Danny's always going to produce great results. But my choice would be Thibaut de Prella. And that, for, 
for me is because I run a development program and I just see so much potential there that's not been, um, you know, it hasn't done what Harness. it can do just yeah. yet. And I would love to work with Tibor myself as his, as his performance coach. So that, that would be my choice there. Okay, cool. And your support rider, these guys all finished between 15th and 24th in, in 2022. So you've got Charlie Hatton, Dylan Levesque, Dakota Norton, Angel Suarez, and Lucas Shaw. It's a really easy one for me, Lucas Shaw. Is that because? No, it's just like I think he should be, or he could almost be in the first five. Yeah. Because it's just like his potential is just like. He's in, a big hitter, isn't he? And he's such a good guy and he has a Swiss girlfriend and, you know, he's spread the yeah. Swiss. <laughs> he's, he's you in just the want team to spend more sure. time with Yolanda, don't you? That's all it is. Yeah, he's, a team for, he's just in the team for sure. Angel, Angel's had a few podiums, though. He's nearly in that yeah, so other Dak. bracket. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure, Dak, Angel, and Luca are you, you kind of three heavy hitters there. That I mean, was Angel number seven or some last year? Or he was, he was in the top 10 at one point, wasn't he? And then yeah. Luca podiumed. But then Dylan gets top 15 almost every race, and he's also young, you know? He's like, coming yeah. for sure, definitely. At a, at a, at a, that's what I was just about to say. You've got and Charlie, like Dylan still. and Charlie who are there on on like an upward curve. My my it's again an incredibly tough choice, and you could probably guarantee that whichever one you chose, you'd get halfway through the season and go, ah oh, shit, I should have had the other one. Um but I'd choose Charlie. Um just because in my opinion he has one of the, if not the best riding style on the circuit. I absolutely love watching that kid ride. Um hinge and elbows and the way he, clearly links his legs with what he's doing up front with his with his arms is it just looks like it balances the bike perfectly and um it's a very coachable technique as well and having him around for everyone else in the team would be would be great and also i he just seems to be just ticking boxes over the last few years and i'd like to think next year is going to going to be a big one so charlie would be my support rider there excellent and elite women one from these four, and they all finish between 7th and 14th. So you've got Jess Blewett, Millie Johnset, Anna Newkirk, and Louise Ferguson. Oh, this is so hard for me. Because you want to pick Louise Ferguson. Mm, no, I think they, they all have something different. I think Louise is like probably the rider, the rider with the most, like who could progress the most in racing. But I don't know if she has like the racer's mind. Yeah, you know, like because she wants, like, she wants to be a better rider. But I don't know. If she's like a racing killer, like Cam would be, and that's something really important if you want to race downhill. And well, Jess Blewett is for sure the fastest rider, but she's not the most consistent. She has a lot of crashes, a lot of injuries, and so those minutes. So I think I'll will get Anna Newport because she was born in Switzerland, and I know her for a while, and I think. When Cam stops racing in Switzerland, there's no more Swiss riders around. There's four girls at the Swiss champs. There's no one. And Anna's an American passport, but I think she'll have a Swiss passport soon. And it will be a chance for us to have like some kind of a future. Another one. Yeah, for sure. Because there is no one. There's like 13 years old girls, but in between there's like maybe one junior or a second one, but there's not a lot of people around. And I want to support the people that are close also in my area. And I think Anna has a great potential, but she doesn't believe in herself enough. Yeah. I think I could, I will be able in that setting, I, I will be able to like give her that step up that confidence because she's a top 10 rider. 
and she could get a podium easily if she would like believe in herself a bit more. Yeah, for sure. That's why we'll pick her. I've spent quite a bit of time with her through the SL Sun Tour connection. She's a lovely girl as well. Like she's she's really nice. So yeah, she's awesome. It's nice to see all the other all four, but I think it would be my pick. Yeah, because I'm a Swiss patriot. That's why. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) I I think I'd again tough one, Um, but I think I'd go with Jess. I think she's probably kind of same kind of ilk as Tebow. Same kind of as you just said, Emmy. Lots of flair. Lots of uh, lots of pace. Just needs a little bit of uh, a little bit of coaching, a little bit of guidance, and she could be, you know, obviously winning lots of races. So I think that'll be my choice. Would you listen to you though? <laughs> That's I don't know. <laughs> I've literally never we've never said a word to each other, so who knows? I genuinely thought on the on the two sets of guys, I thought oh, there's no clear winner here. But on the women's, I thought. You would both pick Jess Blewett. I thought she was kind of a little bit ahead yeah. of the others. I probably... Realistically, you have to because I think she's a step ahead of the others. But yeah. um, it's someone that had so many injuries already. And I don't know, like, she's someone also that has huge aspirations. You know, like yeah. she wants to race hardline and she wants to do all this kind of stuff, which is I think is awesome. Yeah. But it also involves a lot of risks, you know, when yeah, you sure. are in that mindset. And I don't know if I can... As a team manager, I will be able to deal with that. You know, like, I'll be like, oh, my God. George, did you tell us what yours were? I don't think you did. Yeah. I had picked. I had picked. Uh, well, on, then. I'll have to do it on the spot then. Yeah. <laughs> you wrote it. Oh. Yeah, I'd throw my money in Tebow de Prayer. Yeah, for sure. I, was, I knew that. That next one is tough. Yeah, that next one is the tough one. Because I think Dakota, if he was more consistent, I'd probably go Dakota Norton. But yeah, I would have to go Luca Shaw, I think, yeah. because Luke. Angel isn't consistent either. Luca is a sensible choice. I just yeah. I love Charlie, and I'm crossing my fingers for next year for Charlie. So, and then Jess blew it on the, yeah, on the other one. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I like these questions. They provoke some uh, some good debate. Right, we'll be back with Bernard Kerr after these messages. Hi, I'm Ollie Wilkins. And I'm Ben, the Deaconator Deacon. We've just spent the last week at Ride Southern Spain. Having a fantastic time. We have. We've ridden countless amounts of enduro and epic downhill trails. That's right, they have a workshop, swimming pool, pizza oven, fire pit. They've even got a donkey here, dude. You get a free beer if you ride, you know? That's all right, is that man? So we've just dropped into this first trail of a day. Cheeky little uh, off-piece line here. Nice little dusty berm at the bottom to catch you. 600 pounds a week includes accommodation, airport transfers, six days of uplifts and guiding. Check out their social media or website to book your holiday at Ride Southern Spain. Ride Southern Spain. Time to make your bike ride like the pros. World Cup level suspension tuning and servicing from the expert team at JTEC Suspension. Built off years of knowledge and experience, the team at JTEC Suspension will service and tune your suspension to make sure it's in tune with your riding style and terrain to shave those vital seconds off your next race run. Visit j-techsuspension.co.uk today and see how their expert team can transform your suspension performance. So this is one of those weird things that happens in life, Bernard Kerr. 
has been racing forever. 261 results on routes and rain. I've I've been racing since 2014, 76 races, both obviously UK based, but until about two minutes ago, we'd never met before. Welcome to the podcast, Bernard. How's it going? Good. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Busy enjoying the rain in the UK again, but yeah, having a good time. Excellent. You just got back from Barcelona, was it? Yeah. Barcelona. I got back this morning, like 8am this morning. Yeah. And how long were you there for? I was in Barcelona for one day and Valencia <laughs> for two. <laughs> was it work or was it fun? Uh, kind of fun. We went, me and myself and Wynn went to what went to watch the MotoGP for two days. So yeah. that was awesome. And then we rode like hardtails around Barcelona, like little kids again for a day, which was pretty cool. So uh, when I was looking at those races on Roots and Rain, I did a little head to head and we've only actually been at the same race once. Round, okay. round three of the 2016 BDS at Bala. You were, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question about it. You were eighth that day with a 312. And I crossed the line in five minutes and seven seconds. So <laughs> I must have flat flatted or something. But um, pop quiz, can you remember who took the win that day? At Barla. Yeah, 2016. I've got a clue if you need one. Who would do good at Barla? That's what I'm trying to think, whether it was like Mark Beaumont or Joe Smith or someone, I don't know. You need, need to think way more out of the box. Yeah, that. it was his only, his only national win. So far, probably his only national win ever. Harry Heath? <laughs> no, that's too far out the box. I'll tell you, Innis Graham. Innis Graham, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that as well. I would not have guessed that. That's wild. I think he was standing between G and Steve on the podium. I think I remember. <laughs> he's, he's like a really good rider. Scottish stick next to those two. Yeah, he's got crazy results all over the show and years apart, but he's got he some... He did so well in the EWS. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just yeah. about, yeah. So... 2013 was the last year you raced nationals regularly. Is that a conscious thing or not to do them or is it just time? No way. It's honestly, it'll be more time because we do World Cups and Crankworks and Hardline and I do some street races and other things. And if you want to be competitive, I think at World Cups these days, you've got to ride mountains a lot and a lot of downhill. And to race nationals, it takes a lot of time. If you're in Europe, it takes at least a day travel each way. You're not going to ride much when you're there. Okay, you'll race, but for the amount of riding and the amount of coverage you get, it takes a lot of time and a lot of money. Yeah. And I don't see the benefit really either way for World Cups, whether you're trying to get sponsors. Yeah, the amount of coverage you get is not worth the £2,000 or 1500 quid it would cost me to go to one national. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like a money and time, I guess, thing. So, so you'll have to excuse me here because I've been down a bit of a rabbit hole. You're good. You, you, Jack and Brayton are all around the same age. And I remember you were all on the 2017 Worlds team together. And whilst I was on Roots and Rain, I was like, I'll, I'll have a look at some stats here. And this this is going to blow your mind. So you've all got around 260 races on there. And there's been there's been 71 races where the three of you have all raced together. 71? 71, yeah. So if I tell you that your combined race time for those 71 races is four hours, 36 minutes and 53 seconds... Tell me if you think Jack and Brett are faster or slower. I like to back myself. So I want to say I'm faster, but... <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> of course I will. I reckon at nationals, though, I reckon they both smoked me a lot of nationals. I was never that good at nationals. Yeah, it's a lot of races. 71's a lot of World Cups, isn't it? It is, but I've taken a while to get good at World Cups. So ah. <laughs> oh. I think Brayton might be ahead of me and Jack maybe behind. Or I don't know. Jack had a real good year and like 
what was it like 2014 maybe when he did good at Valdesol? I'm guessing at the year there. Right. It was two years in a row. Yeah. I remember Jack did really good at like Valdesol and had like good seasons. Like you know, when you're on a roll, you go well. So so Jack's figures are a bit skewed because he had a slow start. The second race when the three... You mean, of- you mean I was shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say <laughs> <laughs> it how it is. The second race when you raced together, Jack lost a minute to the pair of you at Fort William. So he's, he's, he's Jack's... You were on four hours, 36 minutes and 53 seconds, and Jack was on four hours, 43 minutes and 16 seconds. Crazy. Brayton is on four hours, 36 minutes and 48 seconds. He's five <laughs> seconds ahead of you. Bastard, see? <laughs> five, five seconds after over four and a half hours of racing. How crazy That's is that? crazy. But you've got more wins. One more hardline win against him and you'll have him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I lost, I lost a minute on him there. <laughs> anyway, what I was trying to show was that you guys are all around the same age. You've been racing forever. And if you were a betting man, you'd probably say 2022 your best results coming into 2022, your best results were probably behind you. You had that sweet spot around 2016, 17, when you got seventh at Leogang, fifth in Valley Soul, fifth Leogang, fifth Labresse. Did you feel that might be the case coming into this season or did it feel a bit different? Feel that what my sweet spot had gone or feel that I was doing yeah. No, I felt like every year I feel like I'm going to do good or I wouldn't wouldn't turn up. If I'm honest, if I didn't think I was maybe going to get a podium, I wouldn't turn up. So... No, I genuinely believe like every year, I think, especially this year that I was on for it. And yeah, no, I felt pretty confident. I trained really hard. Everything was good. We had new tires with Continental. So yeah, I was pretty stoked for it and pretty like confident, I guess. Jack, do you feel the same? Do you feel coming into the... Same mentality. The target isn't podium, obviously. My my target is if if I was going into a season thinking, oh, I'm on a good day, I'm not going to be pushing top 20, then, then yeah, I would start doing something else um, or, or go into more of a purely management coaching role. But yeah, exactly the same mentality. If you, you go into it thinking, yeah, I've had a good off season. You've got to feel good, past. yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, you, as a racer, you just want to enjoy it. So there's no yeah, point. Suck. Yeah, you've got to feel good about yourself and like, that. you know, I guess you're going to achieve what you want to achieve or you're going to achieve like, I've put this work in. If I don't achieve this, it's not worth it. So you've got to feel like, yeah, the work is worth it. So early 30s isn't old by any stretch. Do do you think we're kind of writing off riders a bit too soon nowadays? Or is it... I do, for sure. I don't think anyone's writing us off that maybe, but I don't know. Everyone's on such good bikes now. Like it's 10, 15 years ago, someone could be on a bike twice as good as someone else. And we have great equipment, but everyone has pretty good equipment now. It's pretty... You're fighting for tenths rather than fighting for like five seconds against a lot of people. So I think we have that that's cool. Maybe it's easier because we're going smoother with like nice suspension these days than the old shit everyone used to have. But no, nah, yeah, I think if you want, you've got years left in it, but yeah. I've done 15 world cup seasons now. So it's quite a few. Yeah. You beat me now. You have 15. I got 14. <laughs> <I've done more. laughs> um, so before we run through um, your whole season, let's start with the important bits. So tell us a bit of the story about the team bus. How did it come about? Team bus was, we needed to get rid of the truck because the truck was getting old and stuff. And I looked at the option of like a real big, either like an Arctic, like a lot of the teams have, they're a huge hassle. They have to get tested all the time, et cetera, et cetera. Or just another big rigid, but everyone has a truck. And I was like, how can we be different? How can we stand out or have something cooler? And Ollie's friend, Seb, Ollie Wilkins' friend, Seb, works on these school buses in the UK. He's like a plumber on them. 
we kind of thought about it and I like came up with the idea and then I was like, I don't know. And then my brother Boris was like, no, I think it's a good idea. And he kind of like backed my idea of it. He like <laughs> gave me confidence in my like, you know, I could maybe do this. What do you think? Because before I actually got the first track, I was trying to buy a double decker bus. That was my idea for my first team track was a double decker bus to be different, mm -hmm. but they're too high for Europe. Everything has to be four or 4.2 meters in Europe. It can't be higher or you've got such a headache on your hands. You'll get grounded in Germany and all sorts, which I've learned along the way. I've learned a lot about <laughs> <laughs> a lot about trucking but um so i originally wanted that couldn't got the truck and then i kind of came back to this idea of a school bus and trying to save money as well like if you buy a rigid and do it well you're looking at like 120 150 grand it's like not a cheap thing to go from scratch and i wanted to go from scratch so it was how we wanted it so kind of did that then we we're at snowshoe there was some there jumped on one of the shuttle vehicles there and was like yeah this thing's rad so talked to the guy in the uk actually before that in the middle of summer last year so like june or july before hardline we went and viewed the guy that builds them in the uk and then yeah the day after snowshoe we drove from snowshoe to like philadelphia basically we drove like eight hours from the race last year test drove this one bus that my brother found online and um was like yeah this is the one let's get it and bought it like two weeks later and shipped her over excellent yeah that's cool um yeah, I really enjoy to be in the bus. It's just like very. It's, it's cool. Like everyone loves it. Everyone that comes like to the team, they are like, "Oh yeah, let's see the bus." So yeah, I think you had a pretty great idea there. Um, so yeah, running through your season, uh, first running Lords. Um, yeah, you see the thirty third. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I think yeah, you had a bit of trouble on on in uh, in seeding, but then um, you had a good good final until you had that mechanical that um was a bit annoying yeah like a spoke to the tape or something like something yeah. that you control but 20th was not the worst result considering a mechanical no it was a weird one laws i think everyone struggled to get into it. i had so much to get rid of the bus and everything and then i think practice was so weird jack will know as well and you were there and we to see it like how you waited an hour and a half two hours between each run yeah i don't think it would normally get to me i just struggled to get into it i was just I couldn't find the race pace that I know I had. I had the fitness. I had the race pace. Yeah. I really struggled, I think, in time practice to like go quick. And then even the race, I was just like in qualifying. I was like, I don't know. Came 33rd and I was like, what am I doing? And then really worked out. Race day morning, I was like, right, we're on. We've got to go quick. Felt night and day difference. And then, yeah, I got a slow flat like halfway down because the spoke went through the rim tape. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, your splits were kind of okay though. Like whatever. And I'm like, no, I know I'm on pace right now. And like, the bottom third of the track there was like my best sector all week. And I know I felt good there. So yeah, 20th, I was pretty gutted, but I was like, I know I'm going quick this year. So you're like a bit annoyed, but you know, you're on speed. So it was a weird start for sure. Yeah. Then you, you, you didn't go to Fort William national. George is written in the script and your reason why. And I laughed, I laughed a lot about that because I know how you love, you love that track. Um, <laughs> you went, you went and practice, right? With, your mechanic you went and did a couple of runs there yeah but the nationals are tough one though man it's so far so much money you're probably not going to ride much i think half the time we've been between me and emily probably jack as well it's been cancelled or we've had to push <laughs> over the years so i was we like have to walk walk up to like the motorway to do it because the gondola couldn't work yes yeah so i i know why you wouldn't go but you went despite your love for this rough track and I think you paid off in Fort William because you you see that fifth was probably your best result there ever, right? Best qualifying. It was my best qualifying to date, even I think, really. 
I got yeah, fourth in yeah. time practice or whatever it's seeding to be at world champs. But otherwise, yeah, it was my best qualifying ever. Yeah. And then obviously you had um, something with your bash guard in the race. So you can pedal the last sector. So you finish six things. Hmm. So obviously two races and kind of two different, like kind of weird mechanicals, like unlucky mechanicals, we'll say. Um, is it kind of hard as a team manager as well, like to have the to keep kind of keep this mechanical quiet as well? Because obviously you, you're a racer, but then. Yeah. Yeah. No, because like the Fort William one was my fault. I like know where I did. I kind of just like went too far off a rock, like pushing and just snapped the chain device off. It like jammed the cranks for a bit. So I tried to pedal on it, like jam, 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 got them back around. and was like, right, the cranks around, don't pedal. Just nurse this sucker home. Like you can hit it good. So I just didn't pedal the rest because it was jammed. And then the motorway, I cased one jump, which was just shit riding. Cost myself so much time and lost time here, lost time there. Like I should have been able to get a top 10 still really if I'd hit the motorway and other bits good. But yeah, and then finished without the chain device. So I actually could have pedaled, but at the time I thought it was still on jammed. But yeah, it was just my fault. I just smashed it in a rock, it jammed and then came off somewhere. So yeah, you could say you've got to keep it quiet, but it's not like, a faulty product or a bike thing that was just me landing on a rock so no it was kind of my fault on that one just annoying to come 16th so after that Leo again I know that's we all know it's a track that you love and especially now with the new part at the bottom um I can't really remember I think you crashed in seating as well because you're like 100 foot so I yeah I crashed in the stumps in seating oh yeah true 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 because yeah. you're like just split so like probably like around normally and the top bit is not the best part. Yeah. And then in a race, well, I, I remember that you were on a top 10, like top 10 splits and the bottom obviously is your better section and then you crashed. Yeah, just slid out. Just silly mistake, which I was so mad. I had two silly mistakes. Don't know why if I put too much pressure on myself or I knew I could do a podium there and I was like, don't know, too excited maybe. Or I think, I don't even know. I think I went too slow, like tried to ride safe and then, yeah, just overthinking it, riding not like I should, overthinking it maybe and, yeah, Leo Gang was Leo Gang was the worst. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know because I know how much you love this track and how you can do well in practice. You looked amazing, and then you could see in the run that you were like maybe didn't really know how much you were wanted to push or not. And yeah, I think maybe it was still like dialing in the new tires and riding everything and just trying to learn. Like, who knows? When I look back on it, I still don't even know like why I crashed there. It was so stupid. I got through like the hard bits, did this, did that, and then. Yeah. Like an easy bit on near the entry of the woods and then right at the end, which is stupid. Yeah. So at this point, you're like 22nd in Evil, so you're not protected still, which is also an issue. Um, and after that, it seemed like kind of like the turning point of your season, result-wise, at least maybe not riding-wise, but like result-wise, because you, in Nanzahide, you seeded 15th and finished top 10, like with a ninth place. And then you kept it going in Val Nord as well with like a nice seeding, finished 14th. I know you had a huge crash in Val Nord as well. Two huge crashes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was not the best weekend behind the scenes, but you still kept it. Like, yeah, I think Andorra for me, like I was really stoked to Lenza Hyde. I was 0.7 off the podium in Lenza Hyde, but like that was, so was everyone. It was such a tight track, whatever. So I went into Andorra, been like, I can kill this. I had a huge crash before qualifying, qualified ninth. You know, and was like, oh, well, sick. Like, I can do good here. And then just rode a little bit safe my run. Had a good one. But again, it was times are so tight. I think I was one point something off the podium. And I was gutted. That 14th for me wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. I like, remember saying to Emma, I was like, yeah, this this result, getting 14th here for the sacrifice is not worth it. 
Like I was so mad at getting 14th there. I was like, for all the time you put in the off season and things I don't do when I want to go ride motocross or I want to go do this or I want to go see my friends. I remember saying, I was like, this is not worth it. The 14th. So I think that kind of helped after that. I was like, I need to do better than this. This is shit. I was so mad at that 14th, which seems like a good result. <laughs> I think after I got ninth and knowing that run wasn't the best. Yeah. So yeah, it was a weird one, Andorra, but yeah, it definitely started to go the right way. Do you have a favorite type of track? Because we'll get onto hardline in a bit, but doing well somewhere like Andorra, it's completely. I, used to, I always love Andorra. It was a new weird track. Like yeah. I actually didn't really like the top section. It was super hard to know if you were going quick. Like some runs, you know, you'd be like, oh, I think I hit that quick then. Or I'd look at my GoPro and I'd be a second quicker through it. And it felt worse. Like you, really hard to judge the top section there because it was this big sweepy open. Yeah. So after that, it was pretty cool. It was pretty one line and just hanging on. So it was hard to pull time. But favorite track normally, yeah, just the harder it is, I normally do good. So if it's more technical and more, it's not just one line. Like Andorra was just hanging on and bombing. Yeah. Just hang on, go as fast as you can, hope for the best, carry speed. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like a mindless track. Mm-hmm. Like there was a bit of techie stuff at the bottom that I was good on in quality that I was shit on in the race because I tried to ride safe a bit, which was stupid. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, that's not normally my favorite, just hanging on. Like Leo Gang is real technical. you got to ride smart or <clears throat> have good exits to the turns at the top. So my favorite tracks would just be the, like the harder, more technical ones. Mm-hmm. But I guess snowshoe is a pretty technical track, but obviously it's kind of flatter, so it's a little bit different, but carry speed is a huge aspect. So I guess um, it would have been also one of the aspects that suited you this time because you could like really see how your carry speed through stuff. Obviously big mistakes in your, still in your, your run where you got second, but yeah. like almost going under the bars there, you got me screaming in front of the screen. Yeah. But um, yeah, did you feel like you're riding any differently at, at this point of the season or no, it was just this element of now or never? No, nah, not at all. I think like I had to do an e-bike shoot on the Monday in Morsi and I had to fly out Sunday and I had to like, so the whole team flew out to Snowshoe from Geneva on Sunday, Saturday or Sunday. Like I dropped them at the airport and they all flew out while I had to go up to Morsi for two days and do an e-bike shoot. So I actually was in Morzine on the Monday of the snowshoe race doing an e-bike shoot, flew home, I think Monday night and then flew out Tuesday, maybe, or Wednesday, Tuesday, I flew out to snowshoe. So I kind of had this fuck, definitely not the best situation. We've got to make the best of it, make it happen. And yeah, it was not ideal, but like pivot needed it down. I'd kind of like, there was a mess up. So I had to get this e-bike photo shoot done. And, um, yeah, I don't know just with that. And then the rain, like I'd never been a fan of snowshoe from the first time we went, but I was like, right you got to turn this around. If it's wet, it's going to be super hard. Let's go. Like I'll, I'll go hard. The weather it is, it's going to suck. Everyone's going to hate it. And I don't know why that week I just had this attitude that like kind of everything's against me. If the track's harder, that's, that's not against me. That's me. I'll be good. So I think mm-hmm. going in, knowing it's going to be wet, I like flew there with a good attitude. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, from, from, we could see on the screen, you had one big moment, but like, I guess like you knew that, we could see in the finish from the reaction when Amory like one for point four, like you could see that your run wasn't perfect though. So do you have a lot of other moments where you did mistakes or? It was just that one just, but uh, just above that, I like stalled out, probably lost like half a second, a second and one bit. It was pretty good. Like I was a bit slow at the top first practice run of the day. I crashed into a tree. It was my only crash in snowshoe. Well, I said, I kind of went off track one other time in that. Yes. They're my only two times that were a crash or off track with that morning. So like the fourth turn in the morning, I crashed into a tree, snapped a lever. 
like 15 seconds in. So I did one practice run on the race day. So I did mm-hmm. one run. I blew off the track where I got sketchy in my run that you all saw, pushed back up, rode it, got through it kind of fine. But yeah, I only did one practice run on the race day. And then the run was pretty dialed. Like that bit was a bit slow. I lost some speed, but then I YOLO'd through the next bit. So I hit that really good. And then I was slow on like just before the exit of the woods. I drifted a bit low just before you come onto that straight, like flat sprint. And I think even just without that one tiny mistake, I'd have the point for, Like you can't even see it. Like Elliot saw it on the camera and like people that know, see, I slow down a bit and I drift. I get like a little bit stood up on the like kind of right, rocky right-hander. It still looked good. But before the, you drop into the left in the flat sprint, I lost a bit there. But yeah, I don't know. You know overall, it was obviously a really a solid run in the conditions. But yeah, I lost point four too much. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So tell us a little bit about the dream crusher what's it like sitting in the hot seat and there's one rider between you and your first world cup win and you know it's omri at the top i wasn't even that nervous i thought he was going to get it 100 percent. so i definitely thought he was going to get it like i was like oh he'll win for sure so whatever like it's pretty cool yeah and then he was at 1.8 back so i was like well i've smoked him there and then it turns out he smoked me somewhere else but and then <laughs> Andy Cobb's like, you've got it, you've got it. And I was like, honestly, I don't think I do because you're saying it. Like, I really even like reverse psychology and like weird shit. And I'm like, you're saying I've got it too much. It isn't going to fucking happen now. Like, shut the fuck up, Andy. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it won't. And then he started putting it back. I was like, I tell you, it's not going to happen. And I was like, fuck, it might. No, it won't. And you just like, don't know. It was like a drink, but it wasn't. I was like, didn't really ever think I was going to get it. Like, well, I don't know. It just kind of was all a blur at the end because I was like, it's hard to explain. I was so. So I've only come across into the hot seat in my life a few times, like three or four times, maybe ever. Yeah. Like very rarely I've come across into the hot seat ever. Even on a podium I haven't, you know, before. Yeah. So I think that was so big for me that I knew I'd got a top three. Then it was like, yeah, yeah. it was afterwards. I think it got a bit annoying because I was like, geez, I've had such a good day, but it was almost like the best day. Yeah. Okay. That was more than everyone's like, oh, well done, mate. It was, it was fit. You either had people telling me well done or, oh, mate, almost. It yeah. was even for me, that's how I felt. And like everyone that came to either congratulate me or whatever, they were either like, dude, so close or well done. It was such a split like decision of what people would say to me. Yeah. So yeah, it was a weird one in the hot seat and everything, I guess. It was a weird, even now looking back, it's a weird day. You almost want to be like so stoked, but it's like, oh fuck, almost. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. So to run through it, and then I'm going to change the question afterwards because you've just answered whether you were ecstatic or whether you were pissed or not at the time. Um, he lost 2.4 seconds to you in sector two. So you were up at the end of sector three and then sector four, he did what he did. And it sounds like you also made that mistake. Um, I think that was on that tight right hander, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rocks, yeah. yeah. So 0.7. Um, and then in the last sector, as you just said, 0.4. So I'll, I'll, I'll turn the question now into how, how do you feel about it now? Looking back on the weekend, the, are you related that you got a second place or are you, are you sat there? No, thinking, oh, you, can't, you can't do anything. I'm trying to learn to live with like, you can't be mad at mistakes, like whatever they happen. So yeah, I'm stoked. It like had to have the season help me do the season I did. So yeah. I'm stoked, I guess. It's still like, yeah, frustrating when I think about it. But yeah, now it's sick. It was cool. Like everyone was there. My brother was there. Yeah. Emily, like team, trainer, like a lot of people there, at least this girl, like lady from Pivot that's been with them so long and I've known. So there was a lot of cool people there that have like been for a lot of the journey. So yeah. it was sick to like see. And I was like, you don't do it for you. There's a huge team behind like everything you do as a rider. And it's crazy how many people help you get that result. And so yeah. many people were there. So you like, it's cool feeling like to almost have done it for them as well. You're like, shit, yeah, we, we've achieved this. It really is. We like not even trying to be nice. It's such a sick feeling. You're like, yo, look how many people you can make stoked by riding a bike down a hill fast. Yeah. So that was pretty cool actually. So yeah, no, still pretty happy about it. Awesome. Did, did, did you guys have a good party that evening or? or was yeah, it- we all like went back to the house, jumped in the hot tub. I was still on like all my kit and everything, which was pretty <laughs> nice. We kind of hung out like Conti, like Conti tires had like a pizza by there, ordered a load of pizza in and just, Everyone had beers and hung out there. So it was pretty chill, but pretty sick, actually. It was cool. Nice. So then, obviously, we moved the party back into Canada for Mont Saint-Anne. Seeded fifth and finished fifth after Snowshoe. Was that some? Was that a result you were happy with? Yeah, I wanted it to stay wet. I knew the rougher and quicker it got, I would find it a bit hard. When it's technical and hard, when it was wet, like day one, time practice, I think I won by like three seconds. I was like, we're on. And I didn't even have a good run, man. I'd had like a tough day. I'd like got flat. I, think I sliced a tire on a rock. And then I was like, oh, I'll just put a good time in. It wasn't honestly even that good. I was three seconds up on everyone. I was like, we're on. I was like, <laughs> just need to stay wet. If it can stay wet, I might do this. And all week, I was like, the only people I'm worried about was Amory and Finn. Yeah. I was like, Finn looks good. But if it stays wet, you know, I think I can get him if it stays wet. And it started drying and drying and drying. So I was like, shit, like it's going to be tough. So yeah, I was so happy with fit. Like I was gut when I came across the line in third. I was like, Jesus Christ, like I've come across in third and I quality fifth. This is not my day. But then someone, Amory crashed and yeah, Andy, it was, yeah. yeah, it was cool. So yeah, I was stoked to get fifth. There. I was super happy with fifth there. Probably almost happier at the time than the second on the podium. because <laughs> I was like, yeah, backed it up two weeks in a row. It was pretty cool. And for Finn, like I was happier for Finn than myself even it was a cool day yeah definitely that was really cool to see so that left us coming into Val de Sol with you seventh in the overall and 623 points um the same as Greg in eighth and then there were five of you really fighting for fifth Kolb, Danny, Minar and Coulange how did you approach Val de Sol? I, I thought going into it maybe I was going to worry about the overall and because Red Bull came around and got interviews with everyone that could get third like if I'd killed it and Loris had done bad and others. I could have got third in the overall that day. Right, okay. So they interviewed everyone, I think five or six of us, that could have got third in the overall. So yeah, it was kind of cool, the Red Bull stuff. And I like all the added pressure. And like, you know, if Red Bull are filming you, it's for a reason. Or like, if they come by or mm. they're filming you warm out, you're like, oh, I must be looking good on track or something. So, don't know. I just went into the week like, I'm going to do good at Valisar. Like, this is my last, I did sh- shit at World Champs. I was gutted with that. Like, I had two big crashes there. I was like, right, 
Battle Souls the one. And I was like, I'm getting a crystal trophy because they used to be like these cool crystal trophies. And I fully believed I could, I guess. I was like, I'm going to have to get lucky to get top three. But fifth, I've I've got this. I've got to beat Coulange. And I was like, I've got to beat Andy, but he was going too good. Yeah, I think I had to beat Andy and Coulange. But luckily, obviously, Laurie crashed for me. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just went in like I was going to do good at the race. I knew I was fit and strong and I was just going to go hard. Okay. So yeah, so to follow that up with the summer, you seeded 20th and then fifth in the race laurie as you just said big crash dropped him to sixth in the overall Cole had his incredible result with his second place pushed him to fourth and you got your, your fifth in the overall so tell us a bit about what that means after the the years of graft you've put in yeah it was kind of funny yeah like you said i qualified 20th so i had an over the bars in my run i just had a smallest crash I had like well smallest slowdown so a big crash like i had a full over the handlebars got back up rolled down the next straight, straightened my seat, then cruised down the rest of the track and qualified 20th. And I was like, Jesus, like I must be going pretty quick. So you've got to stay in the headspace of that. And Emily's got a real cool video of me just before I got my run. It's real funny watching it back because someone else said this to me, you never know what's going to happen. Like, like you're just there in the morning and like in the evening, you're like, whoa, I didn't know all this was going to happen today. Yeah. And look at that video. She's got just as I'm pedaling up for my run. She's like, boy's going to light it up. And I really like that video because I'm like, shit, I didn't know how I was going to do. And then you got this run that is in the future, now in the past. It's like, sound a bit weird saying all this, but it's such <laughs> like a cool thing to look back on, like that video before it. I'm like, oh, I didn't know what was going to happen. And then, yeah, the overall, honestly, getting fifth in the overall for me was the highlight of the year. It was better than the second. Honestly, yeah. better than the second yeah. place, getting fifth in the overall. was like, I like sometimes think about that now. I'm like, oh, the year was good. I got fifth in the overall. And like the trophy... The trophy's just over there somewhere, just chilling on the windowsill. So, <laughs> that, second place on its own wouldn't have, wouldn't have stood for anything in the overall. The fifth in the overall proves that you were there all season, banging the results in. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, the fifth was like honestly so so hyped when I realised because you don't know you're trying to do maths and points, and then it comes up on the screen. And yeah, the fifth in the series was probably the best bit, which is it does make it worth it because I did a lot of training this year. Nice. So, and like trusting. The new sponsors we had, like we weren't on Conti tires before and a few people were like, are you sure you want to go there? Because their old tires three years ago weren't what they are now. Yeah. And it was like a big trust in them and the Athertons and all the like, development they've put into it. So it was really cool kind of trusting that in the process and seeing it all come together, I think, with them and the team and everything. I think it's really cool. I, I'm really glad that you got it. Because when you look at the other riders you were up against, like Minar, you know, he's won it, Danny's been world champion it's not going to be down as their defining moment if you know what i mean but yeah. to, you, to you it's really cool after all those years of racing seeing somebody get it i have to ask did you negotiate a, a decent bonus with the team manager <laughs> the manager hey eh? geez <laughs> not really i'll tell you what i can probably say this i'm not getting mad i asked for before snowshoe i were like our deal with pivot was up at the end of the year so i actually asked for my um like the new deal before i got second at snowshoe with pivot like the pay rise or whatever we we're getting and i didn't put it up after that but after i got the snowshoe second the owner of pivot put my win bonus up i can't remember if it was five grand or whatever he said if you win i'll give you whatever x more didn't have to it wasn't the contract or anything. Yeah, yeah. But he said if you win a world cup this year he's like no when you win or when they win a world cup this year i'm gonna make your bonus bigger and nice. he just did that he like sent me a text and then like sent an email and he's like oh, your bonus is this much bigger if you win one just because he's like, he's a cool guy he's really cool and just yeah. like yes to try and maybe fire me up that little bit more or whatever, but he was hyped. And 
yeah, so the team manager didn't give me one, but yeah, Pivot actually offered me a bigger bonus if I won after that, which was pretty cool. That's very cool. There's so much more to chat about. We'll have more from Bernick after these messages. Me again, it's Sasha at Revolution Bike Park. It's that time again. We're going to go and have a chat to a few people about what they think is the best thing about Revolution Bike Park. Uh, very dusty today, so that's a good thing. <laughs> but um, probably the variation of tracks from... Uh, for beginners or, or intermediate I should say to advanced you know uh, free rides um, get, ghetto ghetto uh, far side new far sides yeah pretty much them all just just a varied trail to be honest yeah it's a bit for everybody isn't that from from all guys like us to absolute pros Single Track is the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, and they have a fantastic offer for podcast listeners right now. If you enter the code MAKINGUP at checkout, you'll get 50% off Print Plus and digital subscriptions for the first year. Print Plus includes six issues of the magazine, each one containing plenty of ride inspiration, opinion, adventure and reviews plus full digital access to their site for under 20 pounds with the discount code digital access to their site starts at just 10 pounds a year that code once again is making up that's m-a-k-i-n-g-u-p all one word no spaces for 50 percent off print plus and digital subscriptions at single track if you're enjoying the making up the numbers podcast hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient. For additional content, follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. I think it was either Loic or Amory who said on the pod at the start of the season that it's so hard for someone like you to compete when you've got the vlog, the, t- the team to run, and all they've got to think about is racing and getting ready for racing. When you look back now, is it a distraction? Do you ever think about kind of what you might have achieved if you were just racing? Yes and no. I could give you a quick example when we get into it deeper. The vlog thing, people talk about that and I use it a lot. I'll watch it back. I never would watch GoPro back before. Never. I would never use it. I wouldn't watch anything back or anything, any like POV. And before Valdesol finals, it was like raining real heavy at the top when I went up in the gondola. And the turn lorry crashed on. I watched back because that got slick in the morning when it rained. Was it that day or the day before? That was one of the slick spots. It was there and a line further up that I almost crashed on. And so before my run, when I'm warming up on the bike, I watched my GoPro twice and I switched line. So I'd ridden it the day before in like quality day. I'd been going outside where Laurie crashed and everyone had gone to the inside. Everyone had done this new line and cut inside and was going where this gap was. And I decided before my race run that I was going to go back to the outside. And I think that's where the vlogs this year, that definitely helped me because Laurie got a little bit stood up or slipped or something, had his shit crash that he had. So I think for once the vlogs helped me there, which is pretty cool. But maybe otherwise, honestly, like I think if I do a good job, 90% of the time organizing before the season starts, like working now, I shouldn't have too much more on in the season. I definitely have more than a normal rider, I guess. But if I do a good job from now till March, I should be pretty chilled come the season, hopefully. Do you think it um, takes a bit of the pressure off? Maybe. Yeah, and I don't know why other riders do. They must get bored. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I always think that. (laughs) I honestly don't know what they do. Like, I definitely need to do less. I'm going to try and hire an assistant soon because at the minute it's a bit ridiculous with, like, all these things we're doing and adding another team and riders. and Yeah, but, yeah, like, if I'm so – I think – 
in our team, we all really care about each other's results, or I hope we do. But I get so nervous for their race runs. And I think so stoked, like I did shit at Leger, but Jenna won. So it was like the sickest day ever. Yeah. Whereas I think, yeah, if I didn't have the team, I'd have been like, oh, I've just done shit as myself today. But you're like, oh, today's still great because one of our riders, Jenna's become world champion. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you're like, you've got a fullback on the other riders. Yeah, come on, guys. You can pull, you can pull through for us today. I've done a shit job, so you can do a good one for me. So if someone asks you what you do for a job, what, what do you tell them? Uh, what would I tell them I do for a job? I guess I like run a team and a professional. I'd say professional cyclist. I would say it sounds cooler than like mountain bike or something. Or it sounds more professional. Um, professional cyclist and like team manager, I guess. Team owner. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I'd say rider team manager. Yeah. Is it, I wouldn't you, say I'm a YouTuber, but I guess I am now as well. Vlogger. Yeah, vlogger extraordinaire. You're known for being one of the most stylish riders. Does that come naturally or do you have to work at it? The stoppies and all those kind of things. I worked at it for a while. Like I remember thinking Stevie Smith, I saw him at Fort William one year when my first year's racing World Cups. He looked so sick. And Brendan, I hate to say it now because I'm friends with him. I'm trying to beat him. But I always thought his style was sick, whether he was like landing front wheel up and stuff like Sam Hill as well, or like scrubbing off and landing nose. I always either want to land real nose heavy or real rear heavy because I think it looks sick and it feels cool. <laughs> And I always believe like if you feel like you look sick, you normally ride good and then it like all works. So I don't know. No, like I think I did work at it. Yeah. I didn't just have style. I don't think I'm not saying I do now, but yeah, I didn't just go on a bike. I was like, right, I want to look good at this jump or I want to look good doing this thing. I think sometimes it's hurt my race results (laughs) 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 down the track. (laughs) What can you do? Okay, so moving com- conversation towards uh, Red Bull Hardline. Three-time winner, 2016, 2019, and 2021. Is it your favourite event? Yeah, I love it. It's just a sick vibe with everyone. I like. I love riding bikes. I love hitting jumps. I love riding bikes. Like, that was all I did before was hit jumps, and then I had to race to, like, I don't know, just hit more jumps or something. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I always really like jumps. So, yeah, I love that event. Like, the vibe with everyone there is sick. Everyone hangs out, ride cool jumps and it's just a good vibe really yeah i'd say probably one of my favorites yeah normally do you think world cup racing should be on tracks that have features like the ones at hardline that that scare the hell out of the best riders in the world or or do you just think after three rounds with a series like that we'd be down to 50 percent of the riders and it'd be just total carnage no i think we could definitely go more that way like obviously some of it couldn't be that big it would take too long to get practice done but we do need better jump the world cup jumps 98 percent of the time suck they're either built terribly they're way too small they don't work like they suck like considering we're the best riders in the world or whatever you want to say or supposed to be at least the tracks and some of the jumps we get dealt with it's embarrassing i don't know how we don't have a, a standard for it like supercross a triple is this big that's how big a triple is right. it's 65 to 75 foot it's a standard you have a roller it's a three or a five it's either three foot high or five foot high and you have the same guys or amazing crews coming to build it, not just someone from some random bike park. Not trying yeah. to make fun of them, but a lot of the jumps are terrible and we shouldn't be racing them. And you see over the years, a lot of big crashes on them from the best riders in the world because they're just dangerous. Yeah. So not that we need to go to hardline size, but we should have bigger, sicker jumps, I think, for sure. I think that would be really good for the sport and 
personally for my fun level. <laughs> you cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting to to hear your side, not your side, your your kind of opinion there, because we've been talking quite a bit on the podcast about this riders' union and riders being conscious of safety, and nobody's actually mentioned that take of having a standardization for certain things and it would certainly solve a lot of problems if if it was like what you've just said about supercross where if they were building a triple it was this big if you had a double it was yeah a, a finish line jumper a supercross track is a set size normally within yeah. like five they just that is a finish line jump is the same size but yeah. a lot of people don't know that you know yeah but, it'd obviously be harder for them to do because we haven't got a throttle so it depends on approach to whatever feature they were building but you're right it'd certainly be it'd make more sense if there was some kind of thought gone into it rather than yeah, just, just better building guys guys. building yeah, yeah something because exactly. yeah i think we have more injuries a lot at world cups on jumps than we do at hardline and hardline yeah. jumps are massive yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so so back back to the hardline jumps um it sounds like this year you were kind of showing people around um you'd guinea pig the big jumps i mean Talk us through that feeling when you're the one going out to hit that 90 footer and you end up going 96. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know, in hindsight. Yeah, I don't know. I went up to look at it. We had so much weather, this, that, and they were debating building a line around it. And I was so against that. I rolled up my like a little pit bike motorbike and uh, rolled into it four times the engine off and was like, I think I got these. And just in my head, I was like, I'm on. Called G up and the boys at the bottom. They were having a paintballing thing. I was like, do you mind if I hit these? Like, I don't want to be like, cause everyone was like, should we ride? Should we not ride? And I was like, it's kind of where it's kind of all right. And we, no one could decide which way to go one way or the other. And I was like, guys, I can't decide. Then half an hour later, I was like, guys, I'm on, but I'm not going to go ride unless everyone's happy with me. I don't want to go get extra practice in or feel like I've snaked you guys. And everyone's like, no, man, if you want to go hit them, hit them. And then G was like, I'm in. And then Sam Gale was in and George. And I was like, just in my head, I'd already, I was like, I'm rolling into these. So I'd like bombed down the road on the motorbike, got changed. I was like, all right, who's coming? I'm going now. And um, yeah, I don't know. It was sick. I just felt like I could do it. The first one hit it pretty perfect. It was dialed. Second was so hard to judge. So hard to judge. And then they were like, oh, the, the Queen's just died. I'm literally clipping in and the marshal tells me. <laughs> and he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, the Queen's just I was like, what? And then I waited like 15 seconds. I was like, right, I'm going to go now. So it was kind of like you did put you in a weird spot. Yeah. But- and then hit it went a bit far i must have like we were running like prototype wheels so like ones were testing or like new different like supplenesses and layups and this and that and i must have cracked it or something because the reynolds wheels are amazing that shouldn't have blown up (laughs) all year they've been amazing and haven't so yeah a new prototype wheel just went a bit too far and yeah i had a huge crash that unfortunately broke my finger and put a crack in my wrist oh yeah it's not ideal well, just a broken finger is not. <laughs> yeah, for how big the crash was, I got away. Like. <laughs> You're pretty lucky on that one. Yeah, really lucky. So yeah, we all know what happened. Like you crashed in a race and then you really, really regutted. I know you. I know how much this event meant to you and I knew that. Yeah, and like I guess I felt like I missed all of Friday practice. So I didn't ride the next day after my crash. I had one practice run on Saturday and a qualifying run. One practice run <laughs> Sunday. And then, yeah, crashed in the race. If I, I haven't even watched the race back still. I can't watch it yet. I'll watch it at some point. But, yeah, I haven't even watched any of it back or seen it yet. So too gutted, too sad about it. Because yeah. if Jackson had done, I'm going to quit. If he'd done like a 16, a 216, I'm like, you know what? He definitely beat me. But I think he beat my quality time at one and a half, two seconds. And I was like, Phew. I wanted to do a 16 on race day. It was my goal. Okay. And he did, yeah, 220 or 221. I did a 222 the day before, like 
kind of chilling. So I was like, oh, I can, yeah. I was pretty gutted the top three of us, or yeah, top three of us crashed, which was kind of annoying because, yeah, he won fair and square. We all crashed. We weren't good enough to stay on our bikes, but I think the time would have got quite quick. So that was pretty annoying for sure. Let's talk about another weekend that didn't really go your way because you mentioned it before, World's, World Champs. Um, I mean, you see it seven. Um, you love this track. I think the Jay is probably one of the fun, most fun tracks. Everyone would agree about that. Um, you ended up 13th and you just see it um, in front of Loic. So I guess the, um, the spectators are going to get ready for to get yeah. The speed <laughs> there felt good all week and I was trying to slowly build speed. I wasn't trying to go too quick too early because I've done that too many times. So I was trying to build speed, felt great. And then race day, I just had a, two huge crashes. Crashed first run halfway down where my favorite section of the track. And then second run, oh, whichever way around it was, crashed near the top. So yeah, just got unlucky. Still had two big crashes on race day. And then I just had, I made one mistake in my run. Honestly, only one mistake that probably cost me a second. And the rest, I just didn't push hard enough because of where I'd crashed. So mm-hmm. I think I was 2.2 off the podium, off third yeah, place. It was much. so tight. But yeah. Yeah, I was gutted. Yeah, that was sucked. Like again, getting 13th there was not worth worth my day. I only kept me happy by Jenna winning that day. I was so gutted with 13th. And like I mean, everyone would have been the times were so tight. So, so tight. Like two. I wished I was hoping for rain there again. I was like, if it rains today, I'm on. Like yeah. last year when it rained, I got 16th in the rain when a lot of people had dry or everyone ahead of me had a dry race. So yeah, yeah I was hoping for rain. Didn't happen two big crashes and then just rode too safe in my run, just a little bit, just real dialed. I had one mistake, but other than that, the run was super dialed, just not quick enough. I was like, this sucks. So yeah, <laughs> Worlds definitely didn't go my way. That was like the second worst race of the year, but Hardland was a lot worse. Yeah, well, I guess, um, like you said, you mentioned uh, Jenna Hastings got world champion there. Um, I was at the top with her, so I wasn't there when she actually got the title, but you were. So how much how much did he, did that mean like that moment? It was pretty cool. It sucks that they raced so early. I think hopefully in future we're going to change their race day, but it was so cool and like to see her and her mom and Jenna's quite a tough cookie. She doesn't cry a lot and see her cry was pretty cool and like everyone's got <laughs> tears in their eyes and it was so sick. It was a shame I missed the podium because I had to go for practice as well, which sucks that I didn't get to go to the podium. But it was unreal. It was like I don't know. I just knew she could do. It. I thought I could do it that day as well. If I'm honest, before I crashed. I woke up thinking we might both do this today, genuinely. And I knew she could for sure if she had a good day and I knew I was feeling it. So to see her actually put it off was so rad. And so like, I don't know, I wasn't even that surprised. I was just stoked. I genuinely believe she could with like you up there. I was like, right. If Emily gets her in a good place there and they go up together and they get this, I, I genuinely thought it was, it was chances were high. But I mean, it's different when you know that someone can do it, but it actually pulling it off, like a first chance, it's pretty, it's a, it's a pretty, yeah. I know for a fact, I know I could have done a lot of things, but in the end I just didn't manage. Yeah. For it, a so. first ever one to do it, her first, yeah. Her fifth like world race or whatever it was. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. So yeah. yeah, it was such a cool day. And then we had this burnout bike in the pits and to see her on that, like in her element, being a little Kiwi girl she is. It was, yeah, it was really cool to see it all go down and a proud moment for me. <laughs> yeah. Can I just jump in there? T- can you t- tell us a bit about the work that Emmy's done with Jenna this season? A lot, so much. I was talking to, who was this earlier today about this? Someone earlier today. I can't remember if it was, it was Ollie Wilkins actually, I think at the gym just before, just before this, about like how, 
for sure Jenna might have won this year, but like without the team and without Emily, because if she wasn't on the team, she wouldn't have had Emily. And I think it's taken me 15 years to do good, really. And Jenna's come out in year one and gone <laughs> up and up and up from the first race, trying to work out how it works and like even work out how Emily's going to like talk to her. And Emily's worked out right. This isn't going to work for Jenna, you know, like, like everyone works differently and like, right. Okay. If we help her with this or we do it this way or, and then Jenna might be like, instead of being a rebellious young girl, she's like, okay, maybe I should actually listen to Emily. She's quite good at this. <laughs> yeah. It's been unbelievable seeing it. And like, now we're like, we've got more support from the sponsors for next year and like pay Emily more and like help out more yeah. because I think they've seen the value having someone and Emily around like her experience. Even for me, some days she'd be like, mm, I don't know if you should do this. Maybe try that. Or having someone that's been there, done it, had the bad days, had the good days and sees what it takes and sees when they either step in or step out the way, you know, like it takes a lot to see both sides. Like, oh, they need me right now. or They need me to fuck off right now, you know? So it's been unbelievable and it's been so good that our sponsors, I guess, have seen that. And I've been able to show them and demonstrate with Jenna's results and in the videos and everything, like how I think important it's been to everyone's season for myself. I've had to do less because Emily's been there helping, you know? So I think it's taken maybe weight off me, which maybe is why I've done good as well this year. So it's like yeah. helped me in yeah. like, silently, but you know what I mean? Like it's silent. You wouldn't yeah, even sure. realize that Emily's helped me by helping Jenna, but that's taken like a little piece out of my way. Yeah. So then I'm concentrating more on this and then Jenna's doing more of this and then her day's better and, and everything else. I know the result didn't go your way at Worlds, but it must have put you in a good place when you're going up for practice and your rider's just won. You must yeah, be maybe going that's up. why I crashed. I went out swinging. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, Worlds race day, I, was, I, might, I genuinely think I could do it. Genuinely, like, not a doubt in my mind that if I had a good day, I could do it. And yeah. I was like, if it rains, I'm, I've got this. I could, I'm, I'm not trying to be cocky. I genuinely believed I did. If it rained, I was like, I can't wait for rain today. And then it didn't come, but I was still like, yeah, I'm going to gonna go. But yeah, I went too hard in practice probably. The fans are amazing. And like since doing the YouTube, like the fan love is, it's been insane. I don't, I didn't tell anyone at the time, but I saw on the pink bike, um, the pink bike poll for like who was going to win worlds was Amory and then me. Like was it? The, the pink bike. So I've got a screenshot of it. I was like, and I was like, fuck it. People believe in me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the second most voted rider to win world champs. And then I think Finn was in third and then maybe Loic. And I was like, geez, people really think I'm going to do this. And it gave me confidence. I saw yeah, yeah. it like two days before and I checked it at night and I was like, yeah, people think I got this. I got this. So, and then Jenna won. And I was like, yep, we've, we're going to do this. <laughs> you know, when you went to look at it, did you like kind of like peer behind, like, you know, like, because if it hadn't have been you, if you'd have been way back, would it have dinted your confidence? Nah, because I'm always back. So, that's, <laughs> and I like being the underdog. I've always been the underdog, like the guy that runs the team. People, I'm like, love, hey, I think a lot of people don't like me. Some people do. Like, I'm definitely, yeah, not everyone's person. So, no, I don't think I had a lot of hate through the years. So, I've definitely got over that. And with the Supercross thing I did, I got so much hate there. I've really <laughs> learned to not care in a cool way. Yeah. So I was surprised, but I was like, yeah, that's right. Like, finally, I'm one of the guys that people are like, well, quite quick. <laughs> so I was, yeah, even now when I look back, see it puts a smile on my face. I'm like, well, people put me second behind Amory to win world champs on the mm -hmm. big back pole, which is kind of crazy. So obviously um, with me and the team, you always had females on the team since the beginning. I remember the first female you had was Mikel Gatto, and then I jumped in and uh, we talked about Jenna, but also Morgan on Endura side. 
Big um, for women's racing over here. Yeah. Like, I guess it was also like, it was a mix between you wanted to have a kind of have a balance in the team, but also Pivot wanted to have um, a female. Yeah, I think, team, right? I think it's awesome. I think the more women that are riding, the more men that ride, the more men that ride. I think it's it's just a healthy for our sport. It's a great thing. It's cool having you guys around. You level us out. You tell me sometimes to shut up from like your point of view and you <laughs> women around it. It levels it out. Shut up, it? Yeah. <laughs> is an awesome company. They're over 50% of their employees are female and not because they're trying to fill a quota or anything, just because that's who's best for the jobs or who they want or who they need. So it's just how it is. You know, it's not like they've got some, what is it? It's not sustainability form. They need to meet yeah, criteria. Yeah. yeah. No, they really are just a rad company and they really believe in like, I guess, getting more females into the sport and to know it's just, yeah, they just get the people that are right for the job. And I think it's been always, I don't know why we've always had, it's just not even like just happened. It's just been cool to have one. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's cool. And I guess also from a marketing standpoint, your team is going to be better if you got to go on. Girls, you guys are good at racing and forever we've been able to buy, like, we'll pay women less. Like, to buy a top five women is cheaper than to buy a top five guy, you know? And if you want podiums... Shouldn't be, Bernard. <laughs> I know, I'm just saying. No. It should be, but it's been how it is. So if we want podiums, it was cheaper to get a girl to get podiums than a guy, you know? And from a marketing standpoint of me trying to grow the team and have a great team, it's been... A smart way to go, I guess. Yeah. A smart way, a fun way with Emily, a cool way. And I think in turn, we are helping between our team and other teams, wages of women's are going up. Like Morgan's got such a good deal for next year. Like Pivot, before her deal was even up, decided they were going to make her wage this much bigger, no matter how she did this year, just to try and make it fairer and meet up with the guys' wages, which is awesome that they've wanted to do that. And uh, I think we're really helping go forward because girls are all talking to each other now about their wages and this and that, which I think is good. I think people should talk and I think the guys should more to get the sport to go forward and get everyone paid fairer. I think it's a good thing. And yeah, I think in our team, we're really trying to push that and help. Yeah. Women's racing get somewhere. Yeah. So like you mentioned, pivot gives you almost complete autonomy in the team, like who you sign and, and whatever. So how, what do you look for in, in a rider when you try to sign it? hardworking people you've got to work hard I think you've got to be fun obviously you've got to fit our team like you'll realize like we don't do stuff like other teams yeah you've got to work hard and if you have good work ethic you're going to train hard but you're also going to have fun and you, you could, if someone's just winning I mean if you win every race fair enough but if someone's doing well and doing no social media I no interest like mm-hmm. that's you're doing half the job in my mind if you're just in social media and doing terrible you're doing half the job so someone that's well-rounded and yeah wants to like represent their sponsors and themselves to the best of their ability because yeah you can't do a social media post every day maybe like if you're not getting paid full-time but otherwise it's pretty easy and i think way too many riders get either too comfy or too lazy and don't represent their sponsors well enough so yeah, I look for someone that's hardworking and is willing to put the work in on social media because I think that's very important for the brands that pay us all this money and put all this time and effort into getting us product. So I think we should do a good job promoting them and showcasing them. So yeah, someone that works hard, good on social media and also tries to get good results. So something we didn't talk about and I'm looking forward to your answer here. Um, on the Vital pod, 
uh, George mentioned on the top of the show that Jordi said um, that you are one of the least fussy riders with your bike setup. Who said it's Jordi from Fox? Yeah. Yeah, there's a vital po- a vital podcast. Came out a couple of weeks ago with Jordi, and he said you guys are the least fussy. Look you're at the, that. You're the easiest to set up. Too easy. Maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> I just like riding bikes. I just want to get on right. I don't want to worry. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the philosophy about bike setup. You just find a baseline and then you just go with it. Yeah, just don't know. Set up, feels good, we're on. <laughs> maybe make a couple of days. <laughs> I don't, I, maybe I can feel it, maybe not. I don't know. I just love I, don't, I know that for a fact because I've seen it the whole year. Yeah, I changed it at it blows Snowshoe. My mind. I went down two PSI at Snowshoe and did we put two clicks on or two off? I think. I can't remember which way it was. <laughs> Maybe we did a click in the shock, and that was no, that was at Val Stars. Yeah, so we did that at Snowshoe. That's all I've done all year to then. So first change was Snowshoe, I'm pretty sure. And then I ran that for the rest of the year, and we changed my shock at Val de Sol. Did I change the fork at Val? Maybe I put uh, a new new bike, maybe on. No, at Val de Sol, I put a uh, spacer in the fork because the track was ruined. There was such big holes, so we put a spacer in the fork. And I think I could come off and harder in the shock then maybe. Don't even remember. That's all I did all year. So I did like four changes all year. At two races, that was it. Yeah, so super easy. I don't know. Bike feels good. Feel confident. Let's go. Like, I, f- I probably should do more, but I like not worrying because then you're just concentrating on the task at hand. Yeah. But question off the back of that, because I'm I'm very similar to yourself. Like, if it feels good, I'll just get on and ride it and I tend not to overthink it. And I also kind of have the philosophy that, like, as you say, you didn't change your bike until you got to Snowshoe. Well, a lot of the tracks we ride are fast and rough. So what changes do you change? need to make? So in the circuit now, everybody's got these data acquisition things and people are clicking here and changing there. What, what What's your take on it? Do you think they're almost just making a bit more trouble than... The, I think, the yeah, a lot of the time, like I, I don't have any idea how to read it. Neither, any of, neither do any of our mechanics right now. Yeah. So if you get telemetry and it says you're bottoming out five times in a run, is that good or bad? I don't know. Do you want to put them out three times, five times, one time, half? I have no idea. Yeah. I believe personally you'd have to do so many runs on this one track, so many runs on this track to get baseline. But right, I was actually now half a second quicker through there because I bottomed out twice instead of once or whatever it is. I think it could be really good, but you would need, I need to start tomorrow until March, I think. Yeah, to, yeah. And I should probably do that. But at the same time, I do want to live my life and enjoy dirt jumping and motocross a little <laughs> But it would be nice to win some races. But maybe, yeah, with Loic and that, they go so hard on it and they go so hard in Queenstown when New Zealand wasn't shut that it could be good. Yeah. But I've got better at being like, okay, I'm pushing the front this week. Maybe I can make this better. Because I always used to just be like, oh, I'm pushing the front because it's loose and rocky. Obviously, you're going to push the front. Yeah. And to a certain extent, you are going to push the front if it's dry and dusty and rocky. Like your suspension isn't going to suddenly make the gravel grippy. Yeah. But it could make you more planted through this or you're braking better or it can help obviously loads. But I think we have it set up so good out the gate and like our bike works good. Fox yeah. is amazing suspension. It's going to be great straight away. Yeah, so, yeah Fox are also going to know what other people are running. So they're not going to have you in there and go, oh, let's put you on something completely different to what No, they the testing there. They're like, here's your new damper. Everyone starts here. How do you feel? Two clicks. Yeah. Feels good. See you in a bit. It's basically yeah. that, you know? Yeah. So no, I think people can definitely start chasing, chasing rabbit down a hole. Yeah, something we've seen with the the data that Dan's used is that whenever he's put it on, it's told him to make everything 
softer and less progressive. Yeah. That's because he's chilling in practice. And then you're going to push much harder in either a timed run or as you get closer towards your end pace. And then all of a sudden you've lost that support and you're going to push through and the progression's gone. So, yeah, yeah I think you're dead right. Obviously, if it's done right, like Loic and Jack do, it's, of course, a tool that is going to help. Done wrong, I think it just creates more problems than it's worth. Yeah, I think you really, it takes years to learn it properly and know like what's achieving what, I think. So, yeah, it would be cool. I think I'm almost too late in my career now. I've got a couple of years <laughs> I could. We might try, honestly, we might, but it's a big... It's a big commitment, money, yeah. time, everything wise. You're losing, you're not losing your off season, but that becomes your off season. I think that yeah. is now what you do until the season. Okay. So we'll see. But when I go to New Zealand, maybe we'll start trying it. So back to the team, um, huge characters on there, obviously. Um, are you conscious about that when you sign new riders? Yeah. Like I said, you just want, they're, I guess they're pretty much my friends. Pivot are really cool. They let me come up with the ideas. I go to Chris and Rachel and everyone. Like, hey guys, I think this guy's a great fit for Pivot and the team. What do you think? And they're like, yes or no. And they pretty much say yes. And I try and convince them that <laughs> it's a good idea for the team and their brand. So okay. yeah, we just want hardworking people that have good social media and good results. And that pretty much fits everyone we have on the team. Okay. So a little question. Um, if you were keeping the team with everybody on it now, but you were to add one person you could add anyone who would it be anyone well we are actually adding someone so he's going to be quite sick but anyone we've got unlimited Ooh, budget that's a team room with a pivot getting a male or another nail mail rider oh this is, is this the one you knew emmy that you couldn't tell me <laughs> right okay Emily knows low she's not telling you low <laughs> <laughs> she's drip feeding oh, like. too much <laughs> way too much um anyone we've got limitless budget yeah Jack Moyer, I'm gonna go straight in. Nice. I need to go. I'll go Connor Fearon because he's like my best mate riding. But I think he's got a sick thing with Matty. I would feel too bad stealing him off Matty. I feel <laughs> guilty there. So that's why I wouldn't get Connor. I'd never steal him off Matty and Ant Man. They've got such a dull setup. They, they've got them. So I would go Jack Moyer, and he'd be back on a downhill bike. There you go. He's so sick on it, and he was still racing Jura. He'd be like Eddie, like they do both. But yeah, okay. Well, I just swung in with that, but I think I'll go Jack Moore. He's the man. Yeah, I like Jack. Lots I like it. Jack. I like it. Okay. So Pivot, big, you know, big race brand. You're the 2022 EWS number one team, world champions. How do Pivot value EWS versus World Cup? If if you had to take the team to one of them next weekend, do you know which one you'd, there'd be more pressure to go to? Would it be a tough decision? I know the owner, Chris, he loves downhill. He's sick. He is the F1 of mountain biking. He loves that. Pretty sure he'll want us to go to that. But I think sales-wise, they would send us to an enduro. Okay. I'm pretty sure they see more from an enduro, like on Monday. They're like, okay, they, they did good at an enduro this weekend. You know, they can see it okay. versus a downhill race. So it depends <laughs> what reason they were going, whether they were coming to hang out and watch a sick race or whether they wanted to sell more bikes on Monday. Okay. So I just wanted to ask you about the team. So I was kind of thinking that aside from Jenna, you're all in your 30s now. But I wanted to check that. So I Googled Eddie Masters' age. And the first thing that... I think he's about the same as me, about 33, is he? Yeah. So, but the, so I Googled that. And the first thing that comes up is a site called exploreceleb.com. Shall I click it? Shall I click it? I'm clicking it. So I clicked on it. And this is what it says. Eddie Masters is a well-regarded name in the world of racing. Eddie Masters is a licensed enduro and downhill bike racer from the beautiful country, New Zealand. You might also recognize him as the brother of Windmasters. All good, yeah? Yeah. I'll continue. 
Most, <laughs> mostly, the young man is admired for doing stunts and tricks wearing flip-flops <laughs> while, he ma- while he mainly performs on his bike, Pivot Firebird. On a scale of 1 to 10, how curious are you to know the age of the handsome hunk? Eddie has turned 33 years old as of 2022. You can send your warm wishes on his birthday, i.e. August 13th. <laughs> <laughs> that is too good. Do you, think Eddie, do, you, do you reckon Eddie's written that? <laughs> it does sound What's like that? It must have been. Yeah. That's so yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, like you said, uh, George, we everyone on the team is pretty old. Well, I'm the oldest. I'm the auntie. But like, um, everyone is aside from Jenna in the early thirties. Um, so it's gonna be the question for you as well to like trying to change your team around, like around because obviously you're gonna go stop racing at some point. Yo, so you. You're gonna have to like get your team going. If you want, obviously, I know we're gonna have to fill some spots. I know it's a tough one. I know. Is, so, are you just yeah. hoping everyone's retire like I did? Like everyone's gonna retire, and then you can change all of your riders at once, so you don't have to like, you know. Yeah, I think everyone's got plans, Monas. I know most people's plans on the team. So, yeah, I think at some point we're gonna have to have a bit of a, a rebuild, rebuild the team. But um, yeah, that's the only thing we've all done so well. Like it would be quite expensive, not in a big way to buy us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If you wanted to buy a top five rider right now, because believe it or not, I am. It feels good. Yeah, yeah. If you want to buy someone that's top five in the overall, you're going to need some deep pockets and you're going to have a hard job convincing someone because they've mostly been at the brand they've been at. They've, most riders are pretty loyal. Like in our sport, you don't just jump shit for a paycheck. You normally like your team. You like who you're working with. You stay pretty brand loyal. So Trying to buy a top five rider is hard. You kind of need to start building them up now, but then we've already got a lot of riders on the team. So we can't have eight guys on the team. So Pivot actually have a next-gen team coming, which is pretty cool. Right. With uh, Dane, Jewett, and Ryan Griffiths, two Canadian kids, and yep. a young girl, Tegan Heap, a US girl. So they're kind of building some riders up for us, and we're going to start helping them next year with the team, which is pretty cool. So that'll be awesome. Because, yeah, otherwise at some point we're all going to stop and we're going to need some replacements. Otherwise, the what is the number one enduro team in the world and the downer team is going to fade off pretty quick if it's got no roster. But looking at those results, like you've become the top team and you're all early 30s, do you think that that might be the way to go? That you you rather than looking for younger riders, you're looking for riders who... Yeah, but then trying to buy them, like I say, they're probably doing yeah. good already or good enough. It's not easy. They either want to stay brand loyal... Yeah or they're going to cost you a fortune. You know, like the money's going up, which is cool, but then you've got to convince brands, like I have to go to Fox, Shimano, Conti, like guys, we need X amount of dollars for the year because we're going to buy these riders. Or I say buy them, obviously we're not buying them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all we need to pay them. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, yeah. So it could be the way to go, but it's not cheap and it's not easy, that's for sure. So let me take you back to Sunday, the 5th of June, 2016. You'll remember this day. Earlier that weekend, a Bergamo factory rider by the name of Edward Masters Esquire had rather unexpectedly qualified second at the Fort William World Cup behind G. And on the Sunday, Eddie famously binned it in the first corner. Yeah. Do you mention that to him? We were talking about this year, I think, when I qualified good. And we've talked about it a couple of times, but... It's a funny story looking back, like he's not mad about it because it's ridiculous that he qualified second, but he's on, man. Even now, I wouldn't be surprised if he came out next year and won a World Cup. It it would not surprise me, honestly. If if you're his team manager in that city, if that happened again now, 
what would you tell him? Well, if he qualified second, you mean? Yeah. You couldn't tell him anything. He's going to do what he's going to do. <laughs> like, Eddie, go do it. Go do what you're going to do. I think he's a lot smarter now, but I don't think he crashed in the second turn now or third, whatever it was first. Yeah. But I don't know. He's he's something, that's for sure. <laughs> but, we need to get him on here, actually. Uh, you definitely good. do. He'd be a good one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know what you'd tell him. You couldn't tell him anything, even now. You, like, I get real nervous that like, I say the wrong things at Enduros, like this year, when he got third at Canada. I'm, not, I'm like, I don't want to say anything. Should I say, I like, want him to do his thing. So I'm so invested, like, in a stoked way for them. Like, we've yeah. got between me and their effort and everyone behind the effort, like the amount of people at Pivot Warehouse, Reynolds Warehouse, Fox that send products yeah. out and make this happen is so cool that when someone's doing good, I don't want to say anything because I want it to happen because I know it normally hopefully makes a lot of people stoked. So let's finish off with a bit of chat about the future. You've you've been quite vocal about ESO and, and image rights. Do you really think you're going to get anything? I hope so. If these other team managers wake up, I'm going to call them out right now and bloody <laughs> stand our ground. If you have strength in pat, like in unity. Yeah, strength in numbers, strength in unity. If we all like agree, this is what we need to do. This is what we do. Without us, they have no show. Yeah. Like not a big, if no teams turn up, they've, if they paid $10 a year for the races, let's say, or $8 a year for a race and they have eight races, every race we don't show up to, they lose a dollar, you know, and it's a much bigger number than that. So they need us to show up, you know? So if we all believe in this fair thing happening and they think they're doing this great thing, I want to treat us fairly then we can come to a great agreement. But lately we've had some quite big figures and we don't know what we're getting for it yet. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. hopefully that it, honestly, it could be the best thing that's ever happened to the sport. It really could be yeah. like, I'm not doubting that they're going to be amazing, but we don't know enough. It's so late now. Yeah. We need to know more. So I really, really hope they tell us more and give us a great fair deal that makes us stoked and want to perform at our best and, showcase ourselves and our sport on their channel the best have you still not heard anything not really no i can't even remember then it didn't really tell me anything so i asked a little more questions and i'm waiting to hear so yeah not a lot street racing you had a massive one at the start of the year was it in chile yeah valparaiso yeah yeah it was brutal and to me there's like levels there's crashing on world cup tracks then there's maybe crashing at hardline but none of the landings are basically 100% concrete and metal. What goes through your head when you're in the start of a street race? I don't know. I was trying to ride smart because I knew I was feeling good for the season. And it was just a sketchy triple. And I think I just didn't put my tyres hard enough. I was like kind of confident. New Contis. And I was like, oh, these are good. But I like needed more street race pressure. I think my mistake was not having my tyre hard enough and it just blew off the rim, I guess. So, yeah, I think most of the time you're pretty dialed it. You just ride at 90%, 90 you sprint at 100 but you don't ride the straights at 100 percent. you've got to be smart right. but i love it i love that we get to travel to these amazing places that most world cups we go to the same town on the same weekend for the last 15 years yep. like people think you travel but you go to the same place for street races we go to chile mexico china wherever it is and it's such a cool opportunity to do and they actually pay good prize money unlike the world cup series so that's also a bonus so would you like a one round of the world cup to be a street race do you reckon that Maybe not the World Cup, but I think Rebel want to do more street races worldwide. So I'm all up for them. And especially as I get older, I'll just go and cruise and do some whips at those and it'll be pretty fun. <laughs> Jack, Jack, Emmy, have you have you done a street race? No. <laughs> no, I don't think I have. 
Would you? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. We go to the same places all the time. And these other races take you to really cool cities that you'd probably never visit. So, yeah, it's definitely. I'll yeah. come and kill you guys. <laughs> I just don't, I'll, I'll do the trip, but I won't do the risky thing. Yeah, I just don't think I could do it. I just, it's too, it looks too painful if you crash. Yeah, it's a bit miserable. I've still got like a mark on my on my right knuckle from the corrugated iron that like burnt the skin off. So, Oof. <laughs> so what what's the plan for next season then? Are, are you you mentioned before you were getting a bit more help with the with the team. Is that so that you can try and focus on the racing a bit more? Yeah, and even the off season train more. Like I'm so busy at the minute. I'll have a few hours after yeah. I'm going to be up to midnight tonight, and then. At six thirty tomorrow, the bus is back in the UK now, so I've got to drive to that and get that emptied with someone that's now helping this week work for me. Get all the e-bikes and all the spares out of that and bring them home. So I got a bit on this week, if I'm honest. So <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna um get like an assistant to like help do more of the payments, more emails, like loads of the the stuff like that. And um even like insuring the vehicles or yeah. checking this. I've done half of or maybe two thirds of the accommodation for next year already. So that's all done. Well, two thirds of it. So I've got a third to go on that. But yeah, just get all that done and then um, train. I'm going to go out to New Zealand as soon as possible. Yeah. Once everything's kind of sorted in the UK, hopefully like end of December, I'm going to go out to New Zealand and uh, just ride there, train. I miss it there. I mean, for years. So just get some serious downhill bike time out in the, in the good weather and then try and win one of these World Cups next year, hopefully. I was going to say, is that the aim for next season? The aim win? for next year. The overall is cool. I want to win a World Cup. It's been the aim for the last 15 years, pretty much. But I feel like we're in striking distance now and Pivot are working on some cool things. So, yeah, I think, yeah, with them and Conti, we're going to only get more used to the ties, you know, and working on, on stuff with them. So, cool. yeah, I think, yeah, try and win a race. Question off the back of that. Obviously, like you just said, you've had 15 years pushing for a World Cup win. If, if you win the first one, what's going to happen then? Probably announce my retirement and then go hard. <laughs> really? You you... I always said I'd announce. I always said I would announce my retirement on the. Well, that's why I've asked the question. Are you not going to? If you won the first, would you not be like, right, fuck it, I'm having the overall? Or well, would I'd, you be like, oh, no, no, I'd race the season for sure. But I'd probably announce my retirement. I've always thought it's so cool to go out on a high, and it's not about yeah, yeah. being cool in life, but it would be pretty cool to go out as the champ. <laughs> it would be pretty sick, you know, yeah. but. I don't know. Racing's so much more fun when you do good. I had such a good time this year. Like yeah. When you do good, it's way more fun. Hundred <laughs> percent. I've had two years injured. It fucking sucks. Yeah, like it was just before COVID when I was enjoying it because I was doing well. It was yeah. yeah it's, it's it's way more enjoyable. So way more so. We'll see. Where's the f- lens hide, man? I'm gonna come and swing in a lens hide. I tell you. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so nah, maybe I'll, I'll see how we feel going into the season. Like. Even now, so much like I visit the gym today already just to sustain what I had, not to go hard, just so when I start training properly at the end of December that I haven't lost everything I built for this year. Yeah. So we're already like in a routine, you know, you're not like, I can't just go to Hawaii on holiday for two weeks. Like you, well, you can, if you want to lose time and this and that. So it would be nice at some point to not care about what I do every week. (laughs) So we'll see. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's uh, thanks for making the time and how busy you are. It's been just as entertaining as I knew it would be. And and that's it for another episode. Thanks to the sponsors of the show: Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb, and SingleTrackWorld.com. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a sec, please drop us a review. Alternatively, please give us a follow on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. 
or facebook.com slash making up the numbers. We'll be back very soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.